Good morning, everybody. So good to see you today. Happy Father's Day to those who are privileged to have children. I know you've heard it a lot, but now it's my privilege to say it to you. Happy Father's Day. So by way of introduction and review, last week we began with an opportunity. We gave the congregation an opportunity to share briefly, briefly, one thing you learned from our series through Acts. Maybe you weren't here last week. Maybe you thought of something since then. Maybe you were too embarrassed or shy to get up. Is there anybody that wants to come today before we start the new message and share something with us that you have learned from our series through the book of Acts? Anybody, just come right away. We want to give you an opportunity. <laughs> Nobody. Okay. Then we're going to move on. Ephesians 1.1. Would you stand with me, please? Deborah and Ashlyn, if you'll come forward to the mic. And we'll wait till everybody's ready, and then you can read good and loud. She's going to do it by herself. Hold on. I'll tell you when to start. So Ashlyn's going to read for us, actually, Ephesians 1, 1 and 2. So good and loud, Ashlyn. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to those who are in Ephesus, saints and believers of Jesus Christ, peace be with you and grace from God our Father and from God our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Ashlyn. Ooh, thank you, Ashlyn. You may be seated. So also last week, we introduced the book or the letter of Ephesians with the first verse that Ashlyn read. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. We said the letter was first written to the congregation of believers in the city of Ephesus. Secondly, though, it was to be circulated around to the many Christian churches that had sprung up in the communities around Ephesus through the ministry of Ephesus. Thirdly, we said the letter is timeless. It was written to all faithful followers of Christ then and now. So that means who? That includes us. That letter was written by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul to you. When you read that letter to the Ephesians, the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul's writing to you. Amen. Don't read the Bible as if it's just another book. It's the speaking voice of God. Yes, and when you read the word, he speaks to you. When we pray, we speak to him. When we read the word, he speaks to us. We made it very personal to close the service last week. We said CCF 1-1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people at Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. The letter of Ephesians is for us as well. It's timeless. Just a real quick disclaimer. 
Last week, I said this week, we would take and look at an oversimplified outline of the book, and we'd have an overarching purpose of the book, but I was wrong about that. That's not what we're going to do. So let's move on to today's message. I just want to say something about this. You know, any of you guys that have ever preached for me, you know that you live the message before you preach it. Unfortunately, so do your wives and families. <laughs> well, I have lived this message this week. I wasn't going to originally preach this. I was going to give an oversimplified outline and an overarching purpose of Ephesians. But when I read this, I knew I had to address this issue of grace. And grace seems so generic because you've heard it so much. It kind of lost touch with grace. And so when I began to really study grace, God's grace, and saw what it is, and began to see how dependent we are on it, it just became this very out of necessity, very meaningful message to me. So this message is for me, and you get to listen in while I speak it. It's Ephesians 1-2, and the title is Grace, Grace, and More Grace. And what I'm sensing today, obviously, God wants to address the topic of grace to us. He wants to take it off the shelf because it's become so familiar to us. Most of us have set it up on the shelf. He wants to blow the dust off of it, and he wants to teach us about grace, and he makes, wants to make it real again to us. Let's take a, a look at verse 2 that Ashton read so well. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give, or could say grant, you grace and peace. Most of you have been reading the word for quite some time. Have you noticed Paul begins every one of his letters to the churches or to individuals, Timothy, Titus, with the same form or some form of this same salutation, without exception. Check it out. I thought there has to be a letter that he's written to somebody that doesn't start out like this. Every one of them does. Now, it's so easy for us to read over this lightly because of that. And unthinkingly, if that's a word, because we want to get to the meatier stuff of the book. We don't want to get stuck on the salutation. But here's what we need to remember. The Holy Spirit prompted Paul to include this salutation in all of his correspondence. So we shouldn't take it lightly. It's coming from the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Word of God. This one sentence that appears so often in the New Testament is from God to us. So today we're going to examine this very common form of addressing those to whom Paul writes. And we will especially focus on grace. What is grace? Well, there's two commonly accepted definitions of biblical grace. There may be others, but here's two commonly accepted definitions of biblical grace. First, grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. This is probably the most common definition you'll hear. But grace is so much more than that. If we stop there, as I'm going to show us, we got nothing. Let me not get ahead of myself. 
Grace is unmerited favor. And grace is undeserved favor. And in and of itself, that's great. But as such, it does nothing for us. Careful, pastor. Where are you going with this? Undeserved merit, undeserved favor is inactive. It's inert. It's passive. It's good for sure, but it's kind of just there. It kind of just sits there and exists. Undeserved favor, undeserved Un unmerited favor, we need a second definition to fully capture what grace is. That does not do it justice, although that's absolutely true. But it doesn't do grace full justice. So we need to have a second definition, and it's, it's on the screen. Grace involves God. Grace brings God's help. God's aid, God's enabling, God's empowerment to us. Grace brings all of that to us. It's on our behalf. God's grace on our behalf. It's unmerited favor. It's undeserved favor. But it's so much more than that. It's God coming to our aid in all of his power and all who he is on our behalf. God's grace is active, not passive. God's grace is energetic. It's full of energy. God's grace is vibrant, and it's able. It's able. It's God's ability. It's powerful. It's a force to be reckoned with. Grace is a force to be reckoned with. It doesn't just sit there and do nothing. It doesn't just exist out there in that nebulous spiritual realm somewhere. Undeserved favor, unmerited favor. So great, but not enough. It's dynamic, and God's grace is vigorous. You get caught up in God's grace, you know it. Grace operates with a purpose. It functions. Grace functions. It doesn't just sit there. It functions. It's effective. Grace is very effective. Grace accomplishes stuff that wouldn't be accomplished without grace. God's grace is everything that is God. God's grace is everything God is. When you're getting a dose of God's grace, you're getting a dose of God himself. <laughs> and God's grace focuses on us, to us. It acts on our behalf. So let's try and come up with a good working definition of grace that sort of combines those first two. They're both true. I'm not diminishing unmerited favor, undeserved favor. I'm not diminishing that at all. Grace is that. But it's so much more than that. Let's see if from these two definitions we can come up with a good working definition. It's on the screen. 
And you can tweak this and, and do whatever you want with this. This is what I came up with. But grace is God's unmerited favor, his help, his aid, his enabling, his empowering, extended to the undeserving on their behalf. It can be extended directly by God. Grace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Or you'll see other places in Scripture where God's grace can be extended by his people to others. Grace to you. Grace to you. There's a verse in Zephaniah or Zechariah. I didn't include it, but I, I really enjoy it. It's found mostly in the King James Version. But the verse is this. Speak or shout. Grace Grace to this mountain. In other words, you face a mountain and you begin to declare God's grace against that mountain, whatever it is, if it's not of him, it will begin to be dealt with. So God can, he can extend grace to us directly or he can use us to extend grace to one another or, and this will be a new concept we'll develop as we go on, or he can use us to declare his grace into people's lives and into situations to bring about his purposes. Grace. Right, Ian? Grace. We're all operating under grace. If we know the Lord Jesus Christ, that is. Grace is extremely important for accomplishing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's the short of it. But don't get too excited. You're not dismissed yet. That's the short of it. The remainder of this message, I want us to look together at scriptures that are going to give us a good feel for the operation of God's grace. Are you up for that? Shouldn't take too long. I'm thinking maybe two or three hours, and I'll have you out of here. Let's begin with a classic. Some of these I'll make commentary on. Some of these I'm just going to read the word and let the word itself speak to us. But we'll start with a classic. It is by grace you have been saved. The incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. This is a gift of God. Grace is instrumental in salvation. How instrumental? Well, apart from grace, apart from God's unmerited favor, apart from God's help, his aid, his enabling, and his empowering, extended to the undeserving sinner, man cannot be saved. An individual cannot be saved. Man cannot save himself. You cannot save yourself. Without grace, without God's involvement... Without the operation of grace, there's no salvation. You are saved by grace. It is by grace you have been saved. Acts 15, 11. We believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Romans 3, 24. God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus 
when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Mankind who's lost in sin and without hope in the world, out of fellowship with God, in an unright, if that's a word, in an unright relationship with God, mankind is made right with God. He's reconciled. He's restored to right relationship. He's set free. Man receives forgiveness of sin, the penalty of sin, which is the eternal lake of fire forever. And all this comes to us through grace. None of this is of ourselves. We can't do it for ourselves, or or we would have. Jesus wouldn't have had to come. None of this is of ourselves or of our own strength. It's God's grace. Grace is in everything. Grace is in every spiritual experience or encounter with God that you have. Romans 5.21. Just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life, salvation, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Romans 12.6. Changing the, the, uh, the vein of thinking a little bit from salvation to serving. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. As we've been hearing, we're saved by God's grace. Apart from God's grace, no salvation. Now we see that we also serve God out of and by his grace, the grace he gives us. We serve in different ways. We have different abilities, but it's all according to his grace to us. Is that right, Art? Effective Christian service is dependent on grace. I would love to tell you, man, just get out there and serve the Lord. But before you do, seek him. Seek his grace because you can't serve the Lord in your own strength. How many have tried that? What was the result? (laughs) I choose grace over my own strength. My own ability, my own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Since Genesis 3, when sin hit the human race, we can't understand God's ways apart from him. 1 Corinthians 15.10. Whatever I am, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. His ability, his empowering, his helping us. Grace and the Holy Spirit are not exactly the same thing, but when you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can just as easily ask to be filled with God's grace, filled with him. Ephesians 3, 7. 
by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Acts 6, 8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Grace and power for the miraculous are vitally connected. Grace, God's grace, and power for the miraculous are vitally connected. It's not us. It's never us. It's always grace. It's God's grace. It's God through us, but it's God by his grace. Acts 14.3. The apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. The message is grace. And the message of grace is attested to and affirmed by miraculous signs and wonders. The gospel is often called the gospel of his grace. The gospel message, the gospel of his grace, the message of grace. Hebrews 13:9. Your strength comes from God's grace. Any strength we have for Christian living, for Christian service, comes from God's grace, not our own. 2 Timothy 2.1. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. First Peter 5.12. I have written, I have written and I have sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in his grace. Before I give the information, does anybody know the setting of 1 Peter 5.12? It's very interesting in light of him saying what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. So the setting, the setting for this verse is to believers who are under harassment from the devil. 1 Peter 5, 8 to 11, your enemy, the devil, roams to and fro like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Then it's, this is God's grace for you. Stand firm in his grace. 1 Peter 4, 12, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that has come upon you as though something strange were happening. You're just partaking in the suffering in the life of Christ. So now when you're under that attack and when you're under that harassment, Realize, wow, even this is part of God's grace for me because he's going to teach me how to resist the enemy in his grace. Stand firm in his grace. If you've been getting hit by the enemy and you've been getting knocked flat, good chance you're trying to resist the enemy in your, strength, in your own strength. I know that. 
I know that from experience. And I know that from the last few days because I'm living this sermon. (laughs) And I had to just keep, well, I wish I would have done it sooner. But I'm like, man, I'm preaching a sermon on grace and I'm not even falling on God's grace myself. How am I going to go in there and preach this? But God is so faithful. He brought me out just in time so I could come in here and preach this to you. We resist the devil. We stand firm in the faith in God by God's grace. Are you experiencing any onslaught of the enemy in your life? I won't ask for a show of hands. It might be unanimous. Are you experiencing any onslaught of the enemy? Call upon God's grace. Acts 13, 43. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. And the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. There's grace for salvation, there's grace for serving, and now there's grace for daily Christian living. Moment by moment, rely on his grace. This was a word to new converts from Paul and Barnabas. New believers, live the Christian life in full, complete reliance upon the grace of God, not your own strength, not your own ability. Don't you wish you learned that right from the beginning? Could have saved some scars maybe. James 4, 6, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm, why are those two compared or in in the same, same verse? He gives grace generously, but he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So God gives grace generously. That means abundant grace, not skimpy Not meager, not just sitting there doing nothing. God gives grace to the brim, to the fullest overflowing for those who will call upon him for his grace. It it carries the thought, the word generous carries the thought that God delights to give grace. You know, God doesn't say, seek me and then, then hide it. No, it's over here. No, no, come on. God doesn't play games like that. He wants you to find him. You will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And he wants us to find his grace so we can be effective in our Christian living, in our Christian serving. So it carries this thought of generous. It's not skimpy. It carries this thought of he delights to to bestow grace on us. But it also carries a caveat. The caveat, he gives grace to whom? To the humble. He opposes the proud. Wow. That's one place I don't want to be where God is opposing me. I got enough trouble with other opposition. I don't need God opposing me because I've fallen into pride, arrogance. He gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. He opposes the haughty. He opposes the arrogant. He opposes the self-righteous, those who think they can do it. Those who trust in their own ability rather than his grace. Think about this. If you're trusting in your own ability, if you're confident in your own strength, your own self-righteousness, why do you need God's grace, right? 
Why should he dispense his precious grace where it's not going to be appreciated or appropriated anyhow? I can do this, and I'm better than others. I can do this better than others. Those folks don't get grace. The thought behind he opposes the proud is simply this. The proud are on their own. You think you can do it? Go right ahead. And I have been there. And have you been there? You think you can do it without me, without my grace? Go ahead and I will be here with my arms open when you come crawling back to me. All bloody and scarred. I'll be here to take care of you and get you back on track. There's no guarantee of grace to help the proud. This may come as a shock, but this includes believers too who depend on their own strength rather than God. This isn't just the undeserving sinner. Romans 5.20. As people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace become more, became more abundant. There is grace greater than sin. And that's a space for an hallelujah. There is grace greater than sin. Have you ever been in a place, King David said in the Psalms, my sin has gone over my head. I'm overwhelmed by my sin. If it wouldn't have been for you, my feet would have slipped. Have you ever been in that place? Well, I was in that place this week. Thank God there's grace greater than sin. His grace is greater than our sin. Are you struggling with sin of any nature? Call upon God for his grace. Second Corinthians 12, 8. My grace is all you need. Could have maybe just gave that verse and went home, right? My grace is all you need. God's grace is sufficient for all of our needs. You can't have a need that his grace isn't sufficient for. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 1.6. We praise God. You don't have anything to praise God about? Think about his grace. We praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us. When all of life is falling apart and you can't find anything to be thankful or praise God for, at least go to Ephesians 1.6 and begin to praise him for his glorious grace that he has showered out upon us. Those of us who belong to his dear son. If you're here today... You're not sure you know Jesus as your Savior. This might not make much sense. Grace, other than the saving grace extended to undeserved sinner, God's grace is for believers. You want to know, come to know him, and it's his grace that will bring you to know him. You can talk to me. You can talk to anybody in here that you trust knows the Lord, and we can help you with that. Don't leave here honestly. If you're not 100% certain that if you died today, you're going to go to heaven, don't leave here until you've talked to somebody. It's that important. I still have three slides, but they're sort of a conclusion. They're, they're kind of an application. We are exhorted to do something. Grace doesn't just sit there. It's not inactive. It's not inert. And neither are we to be. There's our part in this matter of grace, and that's what I'm going to show us as we close. We have a part in this grace thing. 
2 Peter 3.18. You must grow in grace. You can't expect a new believer who gets saved today to understand and operate in the, the grace of somebody who's been saved 40 years. You grow in grace. You grow in that understanding of grace. And it says you must grow. Not optional. You must grow in his grace and knowledge. We're commanded to grow in grace. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then, remember this is our part. God extends his grace. May God give you, grant you grace and peace. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. Mercy and grace are not the same thing. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are encouraged to come to God and ask for grace. We're we're to come and ask him and then receive it. And how do we receive anything from God? Come on. By faith. By faith. Anything we receive from God, we receive by faith. We have to choose and trust that it's true. So we need to come to God confidently his, th- his throne of grace confidently asking him for grace, fully believing he's going to give generously because he told us to come and he doesn't dangle carrots. I know a lot of this stuff we have to learn about, we need to grow into, but this is sort of a grace 101 today. We're encouraged to come confidently to God to receive his grace to help us, ask him boldly, confidently for the grace we so desperately need to love others. You can't love others in your own strength. We don't have it in us. Grace to love others, grace to live for him, grace to serve him. And that all comes after grace for salvation. It's all grace. Did you realize that before you came in here this morning? The role that grace plays in our lives? I didn't. Or at least maybe I did one time and slipped until I started studying it again. And our text for today was Ephesians 1-2. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Paul declares and he prays that for believers. He prays that for the churches to whom he was connected. It's a good practice for us when we're praying for people to pray and ask God to extend his grace into their lives, into whatever situations they're facing. You got a lot of people facing things where there there seems to be no way. Well, God, would you extend grace into their life? Grace that will make a way where there is no way because you're capable of doing that. It seems impossible, but your grace is greater than the impossible. But man, they're, they're so steeped in sin. Your grace is greater than their sin. But Satan is really coming in on them. Your grace is greater than Satan's attack. Pray grace. Pray grace into people that you pray for. Speak grace into situations that are standing against you, that are standing against God, that are standing against his will. Speak his grace into those situations. Shout grace, grace to that mountain and watch what happens. grace to you. And that's it. And I'm going to ask Deborah to come and pray. I'm going to ask us to stand. Sonny's going to bring the band forward for closing worship.
Wait till everybody's settled and in place, Deborah, and then pray good and loud for us. Dear Heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, I praise you today. Father, when I think of praying to you today after this sermon, I'm so thankful for your grace. I thank you for the teaching that you have given our pastor to share with us today. And may we always remember your grace. It is truly amazing. And I thank you for that, Lord. I want to start with um, a praise, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that he is the Lord, our God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. And we know his grace is also everlasting. So we thank you for that, Lord. I just thank you for it, Father. And in your grace, as Hub shared today, it freely makes us righteous, right in your sight, which is amazing. Because we are sinners, yet you love us so much that because of your grace, you make us righteous. I pray that everyone here would just remember your grace and use it powerfully as you have shown our pastor to teach us today. May your grace be upon all of us, Lord, and we thank you for it mightily, Lord. Stand firm in his grace. And I just thank you, Father, for our fathers today. We thank you for all of them, old ones, new ones, grandfathers. We just thank you for the blessing that they are in our lives, Father. So we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise for the God that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.